you're listening to audio from the West End Community Church in McGregor, Manitoba. Turn your attention to the Bible and uh, open up your Bible to John chapter 11. Uh, John chapter 11. And uh, we are going to read and we are going to uh, just look at one of probably one of the more familiar stories that you probably heard in Sunday school when you were growing up and you've read it probably a number of different times and there's a lot of different aspects of this this story that we can kind of look at. We can look at it from different points of view. We can look at it from, you know, the the character. Um, we can look at it from the, the disciples' point of view or we could look at this from Mary and Martha's point of view or, or even from Lazarus point of view, or we can look at it from the Lord Jesus' um, point of view, or maybe even the people in the crowd. Uh, but what I want us to do this morning is, as we look at, at this interaction that Jesus has with, with uh, Mary and Martha and the disciples and everybody who's around, and what happens with Lazarus, um, I want to just do a, a little, a little something different, and uh, and and I, that will be apparent as we go along here, and uh, I. But I just want us to consider um, consider it from maybe just from a different point of view, um, slightly than maybe we have done in the past. But John chapter eleven, and uh, we're going to start at verse one, and uh, we're going to read down through. Um, not precisely the whole chapter, but, but a good deal of it. So John chapter 11 and verse 1, here's what it says. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it to be, uh, heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And then after that, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I, will go, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. And Jesus was speaking of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. And then Jesus said to them, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. Let us go to him. And so Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. 
Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days, and Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house, and Martha said to to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly, went to him, and Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not he have opened the eyes? He who opened the eyes of the blind man also kept this man from dying. Let's just stop there. There was a a poet who lived in the 19th century. Her name was Ella Wilcox. And Ella Wilcox witnessed something on a train that um, resonated with her. And what happened was she was sitting alone and she was watching the people in the car that were with her on the train. At the front of the train, she noticed a lady who was crying. Not just crying, she was weeping audibly she looked like she was inconsolable and she just sat at the front of the train and she her whole body shuddered as she wept and as her body was racked with these sobs Ella just watched her for a while And at first, she admitted that she was a little bit bothered by the persistent weeping. And then, as she was watching this lady, her her attention was was diverted to another part of the, the train. And there was this man there who was telling funny stories. And wouldn't you know, but the stories that he was telling were drawing people in that were sitting around him. And everyone was smiling and everybody was chuckling and everybody was kind of giggling with this old guy who was telling these stories. And after a while, 
it seemed like the rest of the, the train car was, was moving towards the man who was telling these funny stories. And everybody was kind of laughing and everyone was jovial together, all at the same time that this lady, who was just feet away, was weeping to herself. And she noticed that the people that were actually sitting very close to the, the lady who was crying were actually moving away from her and closer to the person who was laughing and, and joking. And it was then that Ella Wilcox wrote this, laugh and the world laughs with you. Weep and you weep alone. It was surprising. I mean, I think it's surprising how true that statement can be in our world sometimes because <clears throat> there is something uninviting. There is something, dare I say, off-putting by people who weep. We are uncomfortable with tears sometimes, aren't we? Something about it makes us feel uncomfortable. Maybe it's, maybe it's in the not knowing what to do. Maybe it's in the, you see these people and they're crying and they're weeping and they're, they're mourning or, or whatever it is, the, whatever the reason for the tears, and, and you don't know what to say. And that makes us feel uncomfortable. Or maybe it's you that is weeping and you just don't want to hear from anyone. Something about tears that, that can make us feel uncomfortable. Um, but at the same time, I think there's something equally compelling about it. Uh, even captivating when you think about the fact that Jesus wept. I mean, it's the shortest, shortest verse in the Bible. If you have trouble um, memorizing scripture, start with John eleven thirty five. Just, it, it's very easy. Jesus wept. There, you've learned a verse. That would be really good. Um, have you ever stopped to wonder what could possibly bring tears to the eyes of God? Can you imagine the face of Jesus as he wept? Were they, were they, uh, were they tears of, of weakness? Were they tears of strength? Were they tears of compassion? Were they tears of mourning? What, what were these tears all about? And as I, as I read through John chapter 11 this week, and I just kept coming back to John eleven thirty five. 35. I just kept coming back to these, this short little phrase. Not even a full sentence. Jesus wept. What does it mean? And, and I just kind of tried to consider it. And, and I looked through the Gospels a little bit. And there are three instances that are recorded for us. I'm not saying that Jesus only cried three times. <clears throat> but there are three stories of Jesus while he was on earth crying, uh, weeping. Three different times when, when Jesus was moved to tears. 
They were in a different place. They were in uh, for a different reason. And every single tear that Jesus um, wiped from his cheek, it was meaningful. It was significant. And what I want us to do this morning, instead of specifically looking at John chapter 11, uh, I want us to use that kind of as a... Uh, as a jumping off point, as you, if you will. And uh, to take a closer look, not just at John 11 um, and where Jesus was weeping over his friend, but also the other occasions when Jesus was crying. Because I think it tells us something uh, about who Jesus was. Analyzing where he was when he cried, analyzing why he cried, and then maybe what that sort of ought to teach us as we move forward in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. So I want us to consider these three things this morning. Um, the first one is obviously in this, in this passage that we just read in John chapter 11. The first time that we see Jesus crying... The first time we see him weeping is in John chapter 11. That's the first time that the gospel writers talk about him crying. And these, I think, you can call them something different. I'm going to call them tears of sympathy. Um, there are commentators galore who go through John chapter 11 and they will give you all sorts of reasons why it says in John chapter 11 verse 35, Jesus wept. They will come up with all sorts of reasons. I am going to just posit that, that, that Jesus was just crying tears of sympathy here. Jesus was across the Jordan, John chapter 11 says. John was, uh, he was, he was in that place where John the Baptist actually had been baptizing people for, for, uh, uh, during the time of his ministry in the early days. And it was then, while he was in that area of the Jordan River, it was then that he got the news that Lazarus was sick, that Lazarus was, was, uh, was not doing very well. The Bible says that Jesus loved Martha. The Bible says that Jesus loved Mary. And he loved Lazarus. Yet when Jesus heard as we read in that passage, that when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he didn't jump up and he didn't run away from what he was doing. Instead, he stayed two more days, which is maybe odd. We don't know exactly what his mentality was. But the trip to Bethany, which was the, the, um, the hometown of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, it was about 20 miles um, from, from where Jesus was. 20 miles to us, not so much of a big deal. Uh, 20 miles to them, you know, a couple days journey, right? But he chose not to start out right away and go to Bethany as quickly as he could, but he stayed two more days before going to, um, to see Mary and Martha and, and to see Lazarus. So by the time that Jesus arrived... The Bible says that Lazarus was already dead. That's what verse 28 tells us. Verse 28. Um, 
When she had said this, she went and she called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he is calling for you. So after Martha returned from meeting Jesus, she pulls Mary aside privately. She tells him, teacher, the the teacher is here. He's asking for you. And when Mary reached that place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell down at his feet and she said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, the Bible says that he was deeply moved. He was deeply troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible, but it tells us a lot. Over the years, I think that this little verse has stirred more than, like I said, more than a little curiosity. And lots of people have tried to explain it. Lots of people have tried to to say exactly what was going through Jesus' brain. People wonder what exactly Jesus was weeping about. Some people think it was obviously because Lazarus was dead and he was a friend. I mean, that is possible. Jesus was fully human. He experienced grief just like you do. But I think the key to unlocking John uh, 11.35 maybe can be found a few verses earlier in verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, verse 33, and and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. And troubled. So, yeah, I guess it could have been and, and probably was to a certain degree the death of his friend. I mean, when we experience loss, we react in a bunch of different ways, right? We do. But I think what John is trying to tell us here is that even more than just the loss of a friend, but it was the tears on Mary's face that brought tears to Jesus' eyes. When Jesus saw the look of sorrow and grief in Mary's eyes and the faces on those who were with her, he was overwhelmed with emotion. He was moved in his spirit, and he sympathized with their pain. He sympathizes with my pain as well. He sympathizes with your pain. The Bible says, for we do not have a chief priest, Hebrews chapter four, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet, he did not sin. I think in a way what John is trying to get across to us in John chapter 11 in the writer of Hebrews is that Jesus Jesus understands our pain. And sometimes I don't think that we understand that. 
I don't think that we understand that he sympathizes with us, that he understands our pain, that he knows every scrape that we have, every scar, every surgery, everything that is swirling around in our brain from the things that that we struggle with on a daily basis. He knows every heartbreak. He knows every headache. And I think that sometimes when we struggle, sometimes when we are going through the thick of it, when we are in the deepest, darkest valley, we wonder where God is. We think, why am I hurting so much and why do I have to go through this alone? When bad things happen, when tragedy strikes, and really what we... Un- what we fail to understand is that that Jesus is right there in the middle of it with us. He's in the thick of it with us. He sympathizes with us. He weeps with us. No matter what we are going through, no matter where we have been, Jesus knows. He cares. He understands. And when we can't make it through on our own, he carries us through it. And all the while, he weeps and sympathizes with our hurts and cries tears of sympathy. Uh, The next next instance of Jesus um, weeping would be tears of sorrow. Not just tears of sympathy, but I would say tears of sorrow. And they come to us actually in the last week, right in the, in the, um, in the week that is leading up to the crucifixion. Um, we recognize Palm Sunday. We, we, we talk about it at different times. We talk about it on Palm Sunday. Um, when Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, right? And Luke records this episode for us and it says i'm just going to read it for you luke chapter 19 it says as he approached jerusalem and saw the city this is what luke says he wept over it if you even if you had only known on this day what would bring you peace but now it is hidden from your eyes the day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side they will dash you to the ground you and the children within your walls they will leave not one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you so this was this was one of the most remarkable times really uh one of the most remarkable moments of Jesus's life. He is riding into the city on a donkey and and he is stirred up during his his ministry time he has he is stirred up a number of different emotions, right? He has stirred up a number of different controversies. Some people love him. Some people don't really know him. Some people hate him. And he has gone through a lot of ups and downs in his ministry. He has shared and he has healed and he has preached and he has done all these different things. (coughs) 
and now he's kind of coming to the culmination of his ministry. The, the culmination of the reason why the incarnation happened in the first place. The reason why Jesus came to earth. And so he's riding into the city on this donkey and it's prophesied about in the Old Testament. The crowds are gathered around him and they are worshiping and they're throwing their coats and they're throwing palm leaves. And then Jesus weeps. He is ushered into the city as a hero. But he breaks down into crying and, and, and sobbing and weeping. Why is it that Jesus cries so passionately when he sees the city of Jerusalem? I think it's, it's because they didn't accept their opportunity for salvation. They didn't accept Jesus. The prophecy that, that we just read, that Luke records for us in Luke chapter 19, where he says, They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. That prophecy, what Luke writes there, actually comes to fruition 35 years later, 70 AD, the Roman Empire actually turns on the Jews and they invade Jerusalem. Jesus warned them over and over and over to flee the city when they saw the enemy approaching, when they saw the abomination of desolation is what it's called. He said not to go back to your house to grab your coat. He said just run. But they wouldn't listen. They didn't believe him. They didn't accept him for who he was the Messiah. <clears throat> and history records for us that when the Roman army surrounded the city of Jerusalem, all the Jews did was just lock the doors and hunker down. And the Romans destroyed the walls around the city. They ransacked it. They razed the temple to the ground. And a million Jews were slaughtered. Jesus would have done anything to get them to believe in him, and he did. He had done all that he could to make them believe, but they continued to reject him. He had come so that they might become enlightened, that, that they might see the light, but they chose darkness instead. They didn't accept him for who he was. He wanted them to have an abundant life, but they chose eternal death instead. And so those same people that were lining the roadside as he entered into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey who were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and they were worshiping those same people seven days later were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. His blood be on us and on our children. In Romans chapter 9, this is what Paul said. He said, I have great sorrow. I have unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Jesus for the sake of my people, that my own race 
that for my own race, the people of Israel. <clears throat> I think that that is the same mentality that Jesus had as he saw Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Because that's essentially what he did. He, he died on the cross. He went to the cross that we could be saved. He sacrificed his life to give us life. And that choice is still ours. You know, that we can accept or we can reject. That's always been the choice. And I have no doubt that Jesus probably still weeps today for lost souls, for lost cities. And what happened to Israel is really, it's really a precursor of what is happening today and what will happen in the future. I mean, think about when we went through the book of Revelation. What was the phrase that we just kept coming back to? You know, there were all these things that were happening. The, the, trumpet, um, the trumpet judgments and the bowl judgments and, and all these different things and the horrors and, and all the, the death and the dying and all that. And then John just kept writing and he just kept saying, and yet they chose to reject. It happened on Palm Sunday. It happened before Palm Sunday. It happened after Palm Sunday. It happened after Jesus died on the cross. It happens today. And it will happen in the future. Yet, they chose to reject him. And Jesus wept for that city. He was overcome with sorrow for that lost city. And he still weeps over souls today that choose to reject. So Jesus cried tears of sympathy. He, tried, he died tears of sorrow. The last and the third time that um, Jesus, that the tears can be found in the eyes of Jesus, I think were tears of struggle. And uh, we're going to go over this maybe a little later on in our, in our uh, series on John. <clears throat> but if you just fast forward four days from Palm Sunday, when Jesus was weeping over the city of Jerusalem, following the Last Supper, Jesus is leading his followers across uh, the Kidron Valley, and they're going to this little secluded olive garden, and it's known as the Garden of Gethsemane. And hidden in the shadows of the, uh, of the olive trees, the, the garden provides Jesus with this quiet place to spend some of the last hours of his life. It's midnight. And Jesus is facing an epic struggle. And it says that he wept. The Bible says that Jesus offered up prayers and petitions with servant cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his, his reverent submission. Here in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus' humanity became clearer than, than, than ever, really. Jesus didn't enter into that garden to escape death or, or to hide from it. I think... One of the commentators, I like what he said. He said, Jesus didn't go to hide 
or to run away. He, he went to the garden to prepare. As he wrestled with the, the decision before him, he, he wept. He broke down in tears. He was about to die. God was about to die. And I doubt that, that anyone really can really ever truly appreciate the significance of the, the event that was taking place in the Garden of Gethsemane and what it was leading up to. But as he faced his fate, he let his tears drive him to his knees and he prayed and he, he prayed to the Father in heaven and he sought an answer. He sought an alternative. He sought the Father himself. <clears throat> and I think, I think that's what Jesus' tears as he was praying teach us. See, when we face the uncertainties of life, when we struggle with our own decisions, when our faith is tested, when we're going through the thick of it, every one of us, everyone who knows the Lord Jesus Christ can lift up their faces toward heaven and say, Father. They can bring their petitions to, to, to God the Father. And the, and the God, the most beautiful thing that we can ever understand is that the God of the universe will bend his ear to hear our cry. I mean, we must understand that God does not promise us a life that is free of from trials, from trouble, from tragedy. But he does promise that when those tragedies strike, he's going to be right there with us. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Everybody has problems. We all struggle. The difference is how we deal with those struggles. Um, Somebody once said, when life knocks you to your knees, that's the best position to, to be in, isn't it? Because then you can pray. At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus wept for a hurting family. At Jerusalem, he wept for a lost city. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he wept for a cursed world. And those tears at the tomb, they were a small stream that they... The, the tears at Lazarus's tomb were, were this small stream that belonged to one household. And the tears for Jerusalem were this river that belonged to an entire country. And the tears in the garden were like an ocean. And they belonged to the whole world. I don't know if there's a big idea that... I want to get across today. Maybe it's this. What's the lesson that we want us to, to take home with us today? I think the message is simply this, that there, there certainly are some things that are worth crying about. And our Lord and our Savior, Jesus, actually wept over different things. He, he wept tears of sympathy. He wept tears of sorrow. He wept tears of struggle as he as he contemplated the job that he would need to do and the separation that he would feel, uh, that he would face from his father. Uh, Claudette and I went to Winnipeg yesterday 
And uh, as we were going, we were listening to a Tim Keller sermon. And one of the things that Tim Keller said, he was talking about Jesus going to the cross. And he said, why do you think Jesus went to the cross? Why did the one who had everything go to the cross? I mean, it's what we talk about at Christmas, right? Why the incarnation? Why would, what would drive Jesus to go? And, And Tim Keller said, there was one thing, one thing that Jesus didn't have. And it was us. He didn't have us. And he went to the cross so that you and and me could one day join him in paradise. He went to the cross. Love drove him to the cross because he didn't have us. He wept for a hurting family. He wept for a lost city. He wept for a lost world. And he went to the cross for you so that one day we could choose to accept and be with him in heaven. It's like the thief on the cross. Today, you will be with me in paradise. I, I think the choice is up to us, isn't it? I mean, we ultimately can choose to reject, or we can choose to accept. I hope that we all choose one day to really recognize the struggle that Jesus actually went through in his own body and and to understand that struggle and to understand how he struggled for us. We drove him to the cross. He wept for us. He sympathized with us. He struggled for us. That's a savior that I, I want to get to know. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's good to be here this morning. And uh, I thank you just even for the contemplation of <clears throat> some of the things in your word and specifically in John chapter 11. And Lord, uh, I thank you just for these few different things that we have considered today and just to see um, to see your deity and to see your humanity written out for us on the pages of the, the word of God I thank you for that and Lord I thank you that when you wept and you struggled it never deterred you from doing what you came here to do. So we thank you, God, for your compassion. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you for your courage in going to the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.